couple of things run through my mind. Let me just mention them. You've already received immense amount of teaching just by the words we've been singing, real truths. And one of the things that's amazing is this. Just catch this. I mean, I didn't think of this till we got into singing this morning. When we talk about prayer, we're essentially simply talking about how we talk to God. And in that context, often how he then communicates to us. But it is about communication. When Jamie, Pastor Jamie, mentioned about writing notes, the very first time I went to worship in church, I was I maybe about 16 going on 17, because I wasn't raised to go to church. If they'd have asked me that very first visit what to write on the note, I would have written, please bring Shirley back to me. Because Shirley had broken my heart. One minute she's written this note to me, I saw you walking down the street this morning, we lived on the same street, and I longed to, to run after you. No girl had ever sent anything like that to me. And Shirley was gorgeous. I couldn't believe it. And I don't know how many months later, I mean, time flies by, but she dumped me. In our brief courtship, after I'd made a few sexual moves on her, she pushed my hand away and said, I go to church. That was a new line. I didn't go to church. But I went chasing Shirley to church. I found out which one she went to. And I went there. And if I'd have been sitting in the seat like you are here. And somebody had a note paper and said write down a prayer request. I would have written down please send Shirley back to me. Well, I praise the Lord, he didn't. I mean, that's why I was in church. Not to meet him, but to get after Shirley. But amazingly, in that, I did meet God. Not there and then, but that was the beginning of a journey. Because it got me connected to a church family like this. Huge. And God used a broken heart to get me in the right place with the right people for what he wanted to happen to me next. So I don't know who you are. Obviously, I don't. I ran into a chap this morning. I said, hello, this was just before the service began. I said, I'm John Guest. He said, hello. I said, what's your name? Well, his last name was Bean. I said, you mean like Mr. Bean? He said, yes, though we don't spell it like that. We spell it B-E-E-N. Well, we've been singing Bean. We've been singing that word, B-E-E-N. 
But most of you Americans say bin. Right? You didn't sing bean. You said you sang bin. Well, that's a bunch of nonsense right there, just that little bit. But <laughs> I mean, I don't... Here's another thought. I mean, this very fast transition. When you talk to God, like Pastor Jamie was encouraging us, how do you see him? Because one of the gifts God has given us is imagination. Without imagination, you couldn't exercise faith. Even to say that God's up in the heavens, immediately you think of him remote and all the way up there. How does he hear you? Or if you think of him like the air or light, you know, it's all around you, how do you see him? One of the great things about the resurrection of Jesus when he came back to life is he kept turning up places with his immediate followers who were heartbroken at his death, but now he's alive again. They could hardly believe it. But what he was teaching them was this, and this is huge, that while you can't see him, he's still there. So once I got that message, as a new believer and I start learning how to talk to God beyond, please send me Shirley. I see him as walking with me. I loved the way Brad, as he was leading us in worship, said, see him embracing you, weeping with you. And my imagination immediately did that. Did yours? Did you see, feel Jesus with his arms around you? With his head on your shoulder, weeping with whatever's breaking your heart? As he holds you? Imagination is powerful. And God has given that to us. We can use it in all kinds of wicked ways. But when you use it for the Lord and for him, you can... See yourself talking with him. He is with you. When Jesus said, I will never leave you, how do you see him? God became a man so that we could see what God looks like in humanity. Jesus was the perfect man. He never sinned. He's like people ought to be. He's like people were originally created to be. And he's here. He's with us. Just like I can say to you, there are all kinds of messages flying through here. Text messages, voice messages, all kinds of emails coming flying through here. You know that's true. If you had the equipment, you could pick it up. Jesus is here. You can't see him any more than you can see those messages. But he is here. So when we speak about prayer, it's like talking to him. Here. So bow your heads with me. Often this, mostly this is how we begin when we come to God's word. We 
Talk to him first. See Jesus walking through this audience. Do you see him coming to you? Because he knows you're here. He knows what you need to hear. And as I'm speaking and encouraging you to have faith to see him coming to you, what would you say to him? What help are you looking for? What is great is he knows exactly what you need. So I say to you, Lord Jesus, as I look at you and see you by faith, I say to you, Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to yours. And take our hearts, Lord. If they're broken, please heal them. If they're empty, please fill them. If they're stone cold, bring them to life. Take our hearts, Lord. Set them on fire with love for yourself, for you, Lord. Kindle in us a love for you. And in that kindling, Lord, as by your Spirit you breathe life, set these hearts on fire with love for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, when Jesus was asked by his disciples, his immediate followers, teach us to pray, he said, when you pray, this is how you pray. And he gave us what we now call the Lord's Prayer. Not as a mantra, something that we whip off. Often when we pray it together as a church family, we uh, can go through the words and not pray them. We say words, but we're not communicating. But when you take the words and the content of those words and speak to him, what are the first words that Jesus says when you pray, say? Father. Our Father. In the original language of the New Testament, that is actually one word. It's Father with a, a, a fixture to it. You know the way people put languages together. That says it's our Father. Ours. Daddy. There's a passage in the scripture. It's the Apostle Paul, one of the later followers of Jesus who said that his spirit witnesses with our spirits, so there's a, like a communication, that we are his children. Now that's for those of us who have Jesus in our lives. 
Because when you ask Christ to come into your life, you are born again spiritually. You're made alive spiritually. And when you're alive spiritually, spiritually alive people have a communication with a God who is spirit. Spiritually alive, we can talk to him. Spiritually alive, we're actually born again into his family so that we become his children in a very special, personal way, not just as part of the created order of things, but as an intimate, personal child of his so that we, as his child, are known by him and we can speak to him as our Father, what Jesus is teaching us when he says, when you pray, say, our Father, is that prayer is essentially the enjoyment and the privilege of a relationship. Because you're calling God Dad. Literally, Dad, Father. You're his child, he's your dad. And you have this spiritual communication. Because his spirit bears witness with your spirit, touches your spirit, ignites your spirit, connects with your spirit, that you really are his child. What a privilege. So you can go to him and say, Daddy. Now that's the beginning of all real prayer. That's a starting place. It is a relationship. You get in that relationship by asking Jesus to come into your life. He makes you a new creation, another thought from the Bible. And in that new creation, you can talk to him. So you can, you know the song, the old song, maybe you don't know it. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the voice I hear as I tarry near, no another has ever known. It's his voice to me. It's, it's personal to me. It's not that I'm just the only one who's heard him, but when I hear him speak to me, it's like he's really speaking to me. John. You can know that. That's the beginning place. So we are talking today about the things that separate us from God and how God breaks down the barriers. And the first thing we've got to understand almost intellectually is that to be able to follow Jesus and hear him and speak to him, we are not talking about going through just disciplinary words rehearsed versicles and responses, things memorized to say, and I use all those things in my prayer, but in the first place, it is about a relationship. So you encourage the relationship. In a relationship, you spend time together. You communicate So that's a powerful image to bear in mind. Jesus and the Bible from beginning to end 
encourages us to pray. So he wants the communication. He wants to hear from us. There was a couple here that I bumped into out there in the cafe before I came in. I've known them since they were little ones. But it's been ages since I've seen them. They met here, got married here. And now they are married. And they turn up. And as far as I can see see in looking at them, it's the first time I've seen them in forever. And I go up and speak to them. Because I'm pleased to see them. And God looks for you. He is pleased to see you. Can you believe that? Is anybody happy to see you? You're almost through when you walk through that door and the greeters smile and say, welcome. God always welcomes us into his presence. He urges us. He commands us. He longs for us. All kinds of words can describe it. In Luke chapter 18... You've got Jesus saying that people always ought to pray rather than faint. That's the old King James Version. The translation that we use, the New English, no, National, NIV, New International Version. I have to stop and think. It says, we all ought to pray rather than give up. The language of the original Greek there says this. It literally means to pray rather than cave in. To pray, that is, come talk to God personally rather than just give up, cave in, throw in the towel walk away. Often we get to a place in our life where we feel like just throwing in the towel to give up. Jesus says we need to pray. And he then gave a story about a widow. This is Luke chapter 18. Tells the story about a widow. And what he's describing when he said a widow in that day is a woman who has absolutely nothing. Because she's lost her husband, she's widowed, and she doesn't have all the means and supports of a society like ours. And if she doesn't have family around her to encourage her and be there for her, then she's really out there on her own. She is a nondescript in that society. She is a very, very needy person. This widow comes to the judge local magistrate, seeking just treatment for being ill-treated in a given circumstance. And the picture Jesus paints in the story is that he just dismisses her. He doesn't give her a second thought because she's a widow. She's a nobody. She's a nothing. If you feel like you're a nobody and a nothing, that's what's being conveyed here. And she keeps coming. He, that's, this, he's only telling a story. 
But in telling the story, she keeps turning up. And in the end, the magistrate says, I've got to get this woman off my case. And so he listens to her and acts on her behalf. Well, Jesus uses that as an illustration, not so much as the Father dismissing us and kissing us off, but as us keep coming back to him, because he's, what has he just said? We ought always to pray rather than quit. Throw in the towel, cave in. Keep on keeping on. To keep on praying. We often ask maybe once or twice, and when we don't get our own way or what we want, we quit. How passionate are you about what you're asking for? Keep on. By way of introduction, the next thing that needs to be said is this. We really are, when we're talking about speaking with God and his communicating with us, in a a battle of epic proportions. It's a spiritual battle. Because if Satan or your own worries, your own disposition, people who've really hurt you, when you get mad at God, mad at other believers... When your heart gets so hardened or irritated and angered so that you become embittered. Bitterness is a killer. Absolute killer. But behind the scenes is a much bigger battle. A spiritual battle for your soul for that relationship that you have with the Lord to break it down, stop you coming to him, have you quit? Because when God's people quit, it's all over. You get that? When the people who say they know and love God and have the Spirit of God in them, when they quit, where is anybody in this wicked world of ours? Do you know how screwed up and miserable the USA would be if the church nationwide quit? If everybody walked out of church today and said, we quit. If you think this nation's a mess now, see what that looks like. And when people quit on people, when we lose our humanity to bitterness and anger, and vicious resentment, when that captures our hearts and our lives. And we all get hurt, and none of us avoids getting hurt, because we live in a sinful world with sinful people, and we hurt each other. Often what we end up doing is pointing the finger at God and blaming him. He becomes the scapegoat. We blame him for everything. Because Satan will always encourage you to say, where are you in this, God? You don't mean anything. You don't hear me. You don't care. That pleases Satan no end. If I could encourage you to go buy a book and read it, it's called Screwtape Letters. It's written back in, I think, the 1950s by C.S. Lewis. I know who wrote it. I'm not quite sure when he wrote it. But that book put him on the front of Time magazine when Time magazine was big time. Some of you don't even know what Time magazine is today. 
But when that was big time, and that was like big time news, and it came out weekly, C.S. Lewis's picture was on the front because of this little book called Screwtape Letters. And they're letters between an archdemon and his underling about how to beat up on a Christian, how to dissuade him, discourage him, mislead him, break him down, get rid of his enthusiasm. It's a great read. Because you see behind the scenes in every little detail of life that there really is a deeper spiritual battle that's going on. I've called it of epic proportions because when that battle is going on in every life here, for instance, and across the face of this world, in the hearts and souls of believers, as Satan tries to discourage us, distract us, it's not just an incident here and there. It's huge. So when you go to the passage that was read for us by Jamie, it's all about not worrying. It's essentially that God really does care for us, take note of us. Take a look in your service sheet on page two. Because I'm going to point out just a couple of verses here. We're really looking at Matthew chapter 6. This is a part of the Sermon on the Mount, a very famous piece. And Jesus talks to people about what is really going on, about their having all sorts of things that concern them and worry them. And if you look at the very first verse, it says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. You could almost say, why pray when you can worry? Somebody once said to me. Don't worry, says Jesus. What you shall eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear... In other words, the things of our day-to-day life. Is not life more important than food and the body more than the clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap, etc. And in that whole passage, I've prefaced it with verse 24, which is really there. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or love the other. He will be devoted to the one and or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That really is an introductory thought to this passage. And the closing thought is verse 33, if you look at it, right there in front of you. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. It's interesting to me that Jesus has bracketed this teaching about not worrying what we eat, where our food's coming from, or our bodies, or how we clothe them. And he gives illustrations of birds 
that don't sow or reap and yet they get fed, of the beauty of flowers in the field who are more beautiful than Solomon. He makes it clear that the pagans, verse 37, are always worried about these things, but your heavenly Father knows you need them. That's a personal relationship. Your dad, your father knows what you need. And that's all bracketed with on the, in the first place saying you can't serve two masters. You'll either serve God or you'll serve money. What passion drives your life? And at the end, he concludes, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. It really has to do with the priority of your life. Where are your priorities? I listened to Pastor James' sermon from last week. Brilliant piece of work. And he pounded on you about where, are you too busy to pray? Which is the general title of this. Too busy to pray? Where are your priorities? Square them away. Is Jesus important to you? You answer yes. Then you've got time for him to encourage that relationship, to nurture it. Take advantage of it, that relationship. Spend time with him. Two quick helps that I want to mention. One is the book that we are taking that title from, Too Busy to Pray, is available in the bookstore. Go get it. It's written by Bill Hybels, very famous American pastor who has a church of thousands out in Illinois called Willow Creek near Chicago. He wrote that book. It's sold over a million copies. It's published by InterVarsity Press, this edition. That is a very solid publishing house. This isn't a self-published, self-aggrandizing book. This is Bill Hybels, published by InterVarsity Press. Get that book. It spells things out fantastically. I want to encourage you. There's a workbook that goes with it. And the second thing is, therefore, get involved in a small group. On Wednesday nights, we could put a small group around you. If you don't know anybody who's invited you in, you don't know how to get into one, chat with Bob Mason. He'll get you connected. But so that you can be reading together, talking about it together, learning to pray together, and having somebody who knows who you are praying for you. We pastors are really privileged. I can't tell you how often somebody like yourself says to me, I'm praying for you. Does anybody pray for you? That connection is big. And the third is this, to read the scriptures. To spend that time with God. It's God communicating with us. We're speaking from the Bible here. I would have to say that everything I've said this morning is Bible-centered. 
without me necessarily quoting it, that's where I'm getting my information or direction and inspiration from God's Word. If you don't read it seriously, like systematically, day by day, let me encourage you to go again to the bookstore, get yourself one that's called a Life Focus New Testament. It divides the whole of the New Testament in the days of the year, and you can read it bit by bit, and you'll read right through. If you started today, today, next year, you'll have read right through the New Testament. And each day it gives you some nugget of truth about what God's saying to you, and then you can talk back to him. And if you're a husband or a wife, to read that together, that will encourage your marriage. If you're friends that you're, if you've got friends you're rooming with, whether you're in college or whatever, to read that together. Those are three good helps, practical helps to get you talking to God one by one. Well, let's stop right there and bow our heads and pray. I have to tell you, if I've barely begun to address the issue that was given to me, because it's so vast. Come back to the next service here, 11.15, and I'll deal with the rest of it. Dear Lord Jesus, we see you. We thank you for the way you have brought us into a personal relationship with yourself. That we can talk to you and you hear us and you care. So all the little battles that we have going on in our hearts and minds, even as we seek to look you in the face and speak with you, Oh Lord, focus our attention on yourself just for this moment right now to see you, no one else but you, to give you our undivided attention as you give to us your undivided attention. Lord, you know how much I need you. You know how often I worry myself stiff before I even come to you. Be my first stop in every issue, Lord Jesus. Help me to talk to you about everything. Yes, what I wear. How I look. Yes, what I'm doing with my life. Help me to seek you first. First in terms of time, first in terms of priority. Help me to seek you first. And talk to you first. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that opportunity.